Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a real amazing guest. His name is Duncan Ferguson, and he's co-author of The Best Boss, The Impact of Extraordinary Leaders, which was published in August 2021. The book is the culmination of Duncan's career experience, which includes extensive expertise as a corporate leader, a leadership development consultant, an executive coach, and a career coach. Duncan possesses a strong belief in the power of great people leadership, and he has an avid interest in organizational behavior and has developed a contemporary career planning perspective relevant for both the individual and the organization. Welcome, Duncan. Thanks, Alan. Uh, it's, it's just a delight to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, we were kibitzing before this and then talking about our great loves of hockey and great loves of Canada and, and great loves of many things. And, uh, you know, one of the things I have a great love is, is in leadership and how leadership leads. And in times of difficulty, how leadership is really the thing that makes a difference with the day. And you, sir, are an expert in that. So let's dive into that. Let's dive into leadership and, and, and how it makes the day and how people can become leaders. Because I'm sorry to say, I think we're lacking leadership in this day and age. I, I, I think somehow we've lacked we're lacking the knack for leadership or the lacking the ability to communicate leadership. So that starts at the top and goes to the bottom. Yeah, it really does. And, and there's a lot of aspects of leadership that are important that, that can't be denied things like being strategic and being able to have organizational savvy about you and within the organization and understand politics and, make good decisions and stuff. That's all vital. But the underrated part of leadership that, that that's always interested me is this notion of leading others and what, what can a leader do to bring out the best in somebody else and the great leaders that I've worked with and I've tried to emulate. And then uh, it became kind of the passion area that led into the book is something that I wanted to focus on because I think it's underappreciated and, and, you know, at the end of the day, organizations can do everything they need to in terms of building a great strategy and having a great you know, structure and understanding processes. Again, it's all important. But if you just keep it simple and boil it down to, to the, the basic fundamentals, organizations, no, no matter what kind of organization, whether it be a hockey team or, uh, or a big corporate uh, place, it, it comes down to people working with other people, right? And and the, the human connection and the human condition. And that's the piece that I've always been really kind of so interested in, uh, both as an employee, as a leader, and then uh, as somebody who tried to help leaders become better. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's back up a bit. How do you define leadership or the word leader? Well, I think leaders have um, three elements to themselves that are vital. I think that, as I said before, I think they need to, uh, I think they need to really uh, understand the big picture, be strategic, understand the marketplace and how to, how to drive things for their team or their organization. Um, I think that they need internally, they, they need to really understand how to, what I call organizational savvy. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you manage the politics? How do you get things done? How do you influence others? How do you collaborate? And then the third piece, I think th- that is the, the third element or the third leg on the stool for leadership is people leadership. And what is it that you can do to inspire and, and, and help others you know, find their mojo and bring the best out of them. And I think you need to do all three of those elements together to be a great leader. Yeah. You know, I just wrote it, right. I, I read a lot. And one of the books I just finished reading was uh, Ride of a Lifetime, which is Roger Iger's book, the the chairman of Disney. And mm. he was chairman through some of the most challenging times. I mean, Disney was not doing well and, and he led it to the point of being one of the greatest companies in North America uh, before COVID. And now COVID has kicked it in the teeth. And one of the mistakes I think he did was he stayed on during COVID because there was another person in the wings ready to take over. And he suppressed that person in order to lead during a time when he didn't want to be there anymore. So I think leaders have to know when it's time to move on. Oh, without a doubt, there's a there's a moment. There, there's a lot of a lot of inflection points for, for leaders around to, when to make the right decision about a whole bunch of stuff, but also certainly when to move on. You see it, you see it in sports a lot, where uh, leaders who were great leaders and had great results both off and on the field overstay their welcome, and they stay a little bit too long, and then their leadership uh, their their leadership uh, starts to pale. And it gets affected. So I totally agree with you. Well, you know, it just so happens with Tampa Bay. Uh, who's their quarterback there? The great, great quarterback. Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Yes, Tom Brady. I, I, I love Tom. I think he's done amazing stuff in football. But I think there's he's a step slower. I think he's not reading plays as well. And and I think there's a time now that you got to let that younger quarterback take over and to give him the ball and literally let him take it and fail, fail many times, uh, have problems because failure teaches us more than winning. Well, you know, failure is an interesting one that you bring up. Uh, I don't know. We'll get a chance to talk about our best boss work and study and book and all that kind of good stuff. But one of the, one of the, five elements that we saw from people's best boss experiences was around, it was around failure. It was around risk-taking and how great leaders encourage others to take a risk, but people won't take a risk if they, if they're afraid of making a mistake, because if they make a mistake, somebody's going to pound them for it. And it's one of the great elements of leadership. You can't learn and grow without taking a risk and you won't take a risk if you're afraid of making a mistake. And it, 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 it comes together. I think the great leaders and great performers of our lives understand that making a making mistake is 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 fine and almost expected if you're going to learn and grow. You see that with young quarterbacks all the time. If you want to get into sports, 
where the, the we have one in Chicago right now who's struggling making a lot of mistakes. But those mistakes, if supported, you won't make him again, but he's got to be supported and not drummed out of town or yelled at about it. You got to, you got to encourage people that it's okay to make a mistake as long as you're learning and growing and all that kind of good stuff. And sometimes maybe not make the same mistake twice. <laughs> well, one of my greatest uh, people that I've ever seen is Warren Buffett in the, in the world of business. You know, he's the chairman of Berkshire Hathaway and, uh, you know, he's up there in years, you know, he's not going mm-hmm. to live forever. He used to say with Charlie, Charlie Munger that when he dies, he's going to run the company by seance, you know, but, but he knows there has to be a succession plan. And what he did with his succession plan was brilliant. You know, mm-hmm. he had, he hired three people uh, to invest and uh, gave him so much money to invest. And two of those people are currently their investors. The other third one made significant mistakes in investing and he's no longer with the company. So I I think that's the key as you let people take over is let them make mistakes. But if they make too many mistakes, let them go and let somebody else take the ball. There's a lot of people that could take the ball. Oh, as a leader, you can't let the person continue to make mistakes over and over and over again. But you also have to find the balance between that and understanding that you're not going to grow as an individual, as a performer, as a person, if uh, if you're afraid to make mistakes, you just will never reach your potential. You'll never hit that ceiling. Yeah, well, let's get to your best boss study, because I think that's the best thing about your book. Let's go into your book, dive into it, rip off the cover and, and let right. people know some of the great stuff that's in it. Well, uh, uh, just a brief story about how I got into this in the first place, as you mentioned, reading my bio, I've had, I've been a leader. I've been worked with a lot of leaders. I've tried to help a lot of leaders and all that kind of good stuff. And I've always been fascinated with this kind of people leadership piece of things. Um, It was a few years ago, I was having a a, a lunch with a good friend and we, you know, after talking about the day's events and local things happening here in Chicago, I asked him about his current job. I said, do you like your current job? And he said, I, I absolutely love it. And you don't hear that kind of statement many times from people. Usually they say it's okay or no, I'm ready to quit. Uh, but in this case, he was very emotional about it. I loved it. I go, Why, what, what, what's so great about your, your, uh, your job? And he said, I work for the absolutely the best boss I've ever worked for in my life. This person is phenomenal. He started telling me about these extraordinary traits of this individual. And then at the conclusion of talking about his boss, he said, um, you know, the, the one thing that, that troubles me is I'm not so sure I'm going to be able to work for anybody else ever again, because this experience has been so tremendous. It was that comment that he made stuck with me well after lunch where I thought, why, why is that the case? Why, why is it the case in so many people's lives that the, uh, that having a person who's a, a leader like that in your life is too often the exception and not the rule. So I decided to start asking people about their best boss experiences did a lot of it anecdotally through friends and relationships and work contacts. And it led to this notion of people's best bosses. And we wanted to find out more. So we did a survey. We did a open-ended six question survey. Some were done in person, some were done online to ask people these six questions about their best boss experience. And we got just some remarkable data back that, that, that started to create patterns of best boss leadership that were, were interesting. They were so consistent that we said, well, we've got something here that we're learning about best bosses. They, they, lead from, they, lead, they lead with their values. 
they uh, what we call activate potential. They really focus on somebody's not only development, but helping them realize their potential. They, um, they, they focus on autonomy and trying to lay a foundation for somebody to be autonomous. They make sure that they provide continued feedback. And then as we talked about earlier about, about uh, risk-taking, those five elements of a leader wasn't anything a big learning or anything extraordinary. Those are five elements that you and I could have talked about over a beer probably really quickly and said, these are really five important elements of leadership. What we found so fascinating was that these, these five things were just intuitive to these best bosses. They did all five of those things at once. It wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just two things. It was all five because they realized that these five elements would help somebody realize their potential. And once we discovered this, we started sharing it um, with different uh, groups uh, in and around Chicago and outside of Chicago and webinars and stuff. And I'll tell you, every time we shared what we learned from our best boss study, we, um, we were just blown away by the response that we got. And normally there was an individual response. We would ask people, so can you tell us about your best boss? And <laughs> almost every time somebody's had one best boss in their lives and they have to tell you about this person because they've been so extraordinary and such an important part of their life. So uh, from that, from that energy, you know, it led us to start to share them some things about best bosses and we decided to write about it. And that ultimately kind of turned into the book. The, the, the book shares, we share some, I'd say four, insights. You know, we talk about our study. We we share things that we learned about leaders and try to help people become better leaders as a result of it. We do spend some time asking the question, what can we do? Why are there more best bosses and what can we do about it? But I think that the most inspirational piece of this for me and probably lends itself to you as in your, your work, Alan, and uh, your uh, your book and the way you lead your life is these, this notion of the human condition and the human connection, because that's what really was special. We heard so many tremendously inspirational stories about people's best bosses and what they meant, not only to their work, but to their life. It was just extraordinary. Yeah, and I, I would add there's probably one other trait of best bosses that maybe you haven't uncovered, but probably know intuitively is best bosses have a thirst for knowledge. They want to have a knowledge about everything. They really want to know about how things work. They want to look under the hood. They want to know how things do it. And they're not afraid of other people telling them that. And they have this, this thirst, this hunger, I call it, that comes about that they really want to know things. And, and that is something that I, I don't think is just a, a, a trait that they learn. I think it's something inside of them. I, I think it's something that is nurtured inside of them. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I actually totally agree with that. And there is there are some some characteristics of best bosses that are fall very much in line with what you were just saying. That the five elements that I mentioned were 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 things that they brought into their leadership uh, uh, world and how they led others, but. We saw elements of the thirst for knowledge uh, very, very clearly. There was a notion of competence and understanding. I would take it one step further. This thirst for knowledge and learning and growing and continuous improvement needs to be part of every leader's mantra. But they wanted to instill that in everybody that worked for them, too, that, that they, wanted, they wanted people to understand 
understand themselves, understand where their potential could be, and understand what it might take to get there, which would include knowledge and information and development. Yeah. And, and another thing I think the best leaders have had is they have in their lives developed people around them that help support them in that. Now, yeah. Napoleon Hill uh, looked at the most, the richest people in the world at the turn of the century. And he found that the number one trait for people that were the richest is they had a mastermind around them. And that mastermind consisted of one or two or three individuals that literally helped them to go to another level, that literally helped them get to another level. And this was the one trait he said that was synonymous among the richest people in the world. And and I think best bosses have uh, that. And they also have a coach that help them with that as well, because they realize their foibles. They realize they are blind spots. They realize there are things that they cannot do by themselves. I think the great leaders that we know build, build teams and people around them that cover for their blind spots and understand that if your team's going to be, if I'm going to perform at a at an extraordinary level and my team's going to be, do that, we we can't have groupthink. We we need to be able to have people who who cover the blind spots of the other people on the team, especially the leader. You know, we we did hear a lot about mistakes in our best boss stories, and again, this notion of being okay to make a mistake, but but the great leaders and the stories that we heard, th- those leaders weren't afraid to admit to their mistakes as well, and they would want to hear about it from the people that work for them. And so those people were not afraid to bring up things to their leader that in other situations with other bosses and other leaders, they might be afraid to do so. And that, that, um, that really has negative consequences for everybody involved. Yeah, I think that's important. And I, I think there's some, some key elements there. Now, were there any surprises that you learned from the book? That's something you, you didn't really realize and you said, oh, my God, there's something there that I, I really didn't realize best bosses have. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of alluded to it a little earlier. Um, the, the, the biggest surprise when we got done with our study and we did all the analysis and I was working with two uh, organizational psychologists. So they brought a, brought a nice process to, to bear to help us analyze every word of the, of the responses that we got and see the patterns. Uh, as I said, uh, to, to think that uh, there, there was nothing really surprising about a great leader providing continued feedback or uh, encouraging development or uh, in, uh, promoting the uh, opportunity for autonomy. What we were amazed at is that these people um, uh, w- had a whole system at work that just intuitively used all these things at their disposal, and they made this part of their leadership mission. They didn't even think about it. They just did it. That was the first surprise. I think the second surprise for me is, again, this powerful, this notion of the powerful human connection. We, we, we heard so many extraordinary stories from people about not how this not just how this their boss made a difference in their performance, their work, their career, but what an impact they had on their entire life. And it's an element that I've continued to explore further as I talk to people about their best boss experiences, that it, 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 it seems that when we have somebody like this in our life, it makes, it makes this huge impact 
on ourselves as, as a whole, not just as a worker. I can think about my own experiences and I was lucky to work for several really great people. And I do know that my entire life was brighter when I worked for somebody great and I feel felt supported and trusted and respected and engaged at work that carried over into my personal life with my family, my friends and everything like that. And, and that, that notion caused me to start diving into a little bit into research about the impact of great leadership on your not only just on your work, but on your health. And there's a lot of data out there, Alan, about, about the, extra, the, the, the impact that a, a really great leader can have on your health. Uh, and, and inversely, if you work for a, a, a lousy boss, it can really impact you in a negative way. There's a really interesting study out of Sweden from a few years ago that they looked at people who had really rough boss experiences, and they found people that they, they, they had a 35% higher chance of having a heart attack due to the stress and lack of respect that they felt when they worked for somebody like that. So, so that one, maybe intuitively, it, it shouldn't have been a huge surprise, but it was. And the more I looked into it, the more enamored I was with the health aspects of, of working for somebody. Well, and, and I, I point out that was a study from Sweden, you know, because I think we yeah. are afraid of looking at things like that in North America. We're really afraid sure, yeah. of throwing a stone at the leader because the leaders are leading, right? And we don't want to mm-hmm. go and cause dispersion. We don't want to cause problem. So we literally are afraid to rattle the chains in the hierarchy that are there. And and one of the great leaders of all time was a person by the name of Lawrence J. Peter. And I don't know if you read his book, but it's called Mm -hmm. The Peter Principle. And The Peter Principle was from the University of Victoria in Canada. And the book was, primary premise was people reach their level of incompetence and stay there. And, And the reason they reach their level of incompetence, because they cannot move anywhere. We can't move them up because they're incompetent. We can't move them laterally because they're incompetent. We can't move them down because they're incompetent. So they reach their level of incompetence and stay there. And he said, this is the problem with hierarchies in North America is incompetence reigns because the system that we have, we literally do not allow it to transcend that because of the way that we built our hierarchies. And your best boss system really says there's hope in this. And that's what I love about your book is you're saying best bosses can really triumph. They really can make the day if we let them. Yeah, and in fact, the the organizations that I I work with, I I encourage them to understand the power of people with these kinds of leadership skills, and what kind of impact that they can have on an organization. Not just on the feeling that people have, but but actually, as you as you start to build a network of people that that lead this way, it has dramatically positive impacts on on organizational performance too. And I. I encourage organizations to say, if, if I can do anything as as part of my brand building as an organization to try to entice people to come work here and to retain them, is to build what I would call a best boss leadership brand within their organization. And they will be just amazed, just amazed at what follows. Yeah. And, but organizations need to, they need to get better at really understanding that this is an important, a hugely important aspect of leadership and they they need to to have the 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 the, uh, the the capability and commitment to creating leaders like this in organizations to to understanding how important it is to develop their skills to to 
to um, invest in their development and to make sure that you're putting people like that in leadership roles and not just thinking serious since just about this leader gets results. Therefore they're good. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, Vince Lombardi stated it well, uh, winning is not a one-time thing. It's an all-time thing. You literally have to build the process, keep the process going and literally uh, keep working the process because if you don't, you're not going to be the winner that you are. And that same thing applies to the best boss scenario. If you keep, don't keep building best bosses, allowing them to be best bosses. If you keep hitting them on the head for every problem that comes up and says you failed, that you will not have best bosses and you will not have people aspiring to be best bosses and, and thriving. They will simply do their thing and move on to something else. And you know what will happen, what's happening already these days is people will say, well, you know, I'm not going to work here. I'm not going to work for somebody like this anymore. No There's the, the, uh, the Gallup's every year or two, the Gallup comes out and does a study. And the number one reason people leave their organizations is because of the boss that they have. So people leave but bad bosses. And, and right now, the way everything is going, People just aren't going to stay and they're going to they're going to look for an organization that's going to treat them right, respect them, invest in their development. And that's how organizations win by putting people with best boss skills into leadership roles and making a real commitment to it. And the other thing that goes on now, especially in America, is best bosses get stolen all the time. Because yeah. if you know that the other company has a best boss and you don't and you have the wherewithal to take that boss. You're going to offer them anything to come over to your team. Maybe that's what it'll take to try to ramp up the ramp up the score on having these kinds of leadership skills everywhere in organizations and not just in pockets. Yeah, and I think that's that's the thing is you know uh, good companies have money and and they literally hire talent. Well, they have talent, but they have processes to support it. I can think of one situation in my corporate days when I was the head of HR for a big company, and we had we had values like our organizations have their values on the, on the wall and this is what we believe and aspire to but in our organization that i worked at we, we really believed in it and we incorporated these values into a lot of our key processes including um when we did sat down for uh, talking about people's bonuses we had something called the values multiplier and we would look at the values and we'd have really good frank conversation about how well these leaders lived our values and you could See uh, an increase in your bonus by 15 or 20 percent or literally we saw several times where people would their bonus would be reduced by 10 or 15 percent because they weren't living the values. And, and that's the kind of commitment and accountability that organizations need to have to build these skills and to keep them there in, within the organization. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I've been talking with Mr. Duncan Ferguson, co-author of the book Best Boss, The Impact of Extraordinary Leaders. And I could talk to him for hours and hours and hours. We share a lot in common, and it, it's amazing what we could do. But unfortunately, where time has come to an end already, time has flown by, and it's it's amazing. So I want, Duncan, for you to share how people can get your book, number one, and number two, how they can get in touch with you. Uh, thanks, Alan. First of all, you can you can find our book, uh, you can start by going to amazon.com. That's where a lot of people go to, uh, to, to buy our book. Again, it's uh, our, our title of our book is best bosses, the, the impact of an 
extraordinary leaders. Um, I should mention my co-authors. Uh, of course, one is uh, Tony Pristo, Dr. Tony Pristo, who's an industrial organizational psychiatrist and a longtime friend. Second person is John Furcon. So it's Ferguson, uh, Pristo, and Furcon are the authors of the book. Um, you can, if we, I want to just really briefly say we wrote this book not to start a consulting business, not to try to make money. We, we really think we've learned something that can help people. So the big part of our book is dedicated to people's development. And we give a lot of thoughts about behaviors and skills and stuff like that that can help you become a better boss. Um, you can and I would love to hear feedback. I'd let anybody read the book. I'd love to find out what you thought about it. So you can you can find me at. Uh, advantageleadership.com. It's a firm that I do some work for. We have a whole thing around best boss experience and you can find me there. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. And I think I'm even on Instagram. So please, if you've read the book and you have any comments or want to engage in a dialogue, I would love to do it. And, and Duncan, you have shown one trait that really shows what best boss are is you learn by listening and, and you listen to people and Although you have these predetermined ideas of what a best boss is, you now are going to modify what you have there by the feedback you get. So you have also shown some of the greatest traits of being a best boss by listening and modifying things as a result of the feedback you get. Well, thanks, Alan. Not only I, there's been a couple of interviews I've done previous. I've learned some things where I got a question. I said, hmm, that makes more sense than what I said. I'm going to incorporate that now I think about it. I would include that in our, from our conversation today, Alan. You've asked a couple of questions that, that I, it's gotten me thinking and incorporating some other thoughts into how I talk about leadership. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. And, and as always, uh, you know, it's been a pleasure to have you on my show. I, I look forward to having you again as you develop things further. And we look forward to hearing about your career as a consultant and how this takes you. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate it. I look forward to staying in touch. Absolutely. Thank you, Duncan. Have a fantastic day. Thanks. You too. Bye. Audience, uh, hope to talk to you soon. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic day.